And now we take you to Evangel Assembly of God in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. And if you've got your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. We're in a, in a series called Faith for Tough Times, and I want to talk to you today about how to wake your faith up. Turn to somebody and say, you need to wake your faith up. Come on. You need to wake it up. See, and I'm, I'm just excited. I'm excited about teaching this series of messages because I, faith in God has changed my life. Faith in God has changed Kathy's life. Faith in God has changed the lives of our three daughters and all three of our son-in-laws. And, 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 and you know, we choose to live and stand and believe God's Word. Heaven and earth are going to pass away, but this word will never pass away. Now, Hebrews 11, verse 6 says, Without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Let's read that aloud together. Everybody, use your best voice. Here we go. But without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now, let me ask you a question. Why does it take faith to please God? Why without faith is it impossible to please him? Is God just all that hard to please? No, I don't think so. I think God is not pleased when you and I do not exercise faith because it limits what God can do in our lives. When you refuse to move in faith toward God, you are, you're limiting the, the, God's ability to manifest himself through the Holy Spirit in your life. See, God wants to be in relationship with you. And he can only do that through the shed blood of his son, Jesus Christ. He wants to be in relationship with you. He wants to meet your needs. He wants to fill you with his spirit. He wants to work with you to extend his kingdom and to establish justice on this earth. And faith is the connection between you and God. See, faith is what connects you to heaven and it transfers the blessings of heaven into your life in the now and now. Faith is the connection whereby you can receive healing. Faith is the connection whereby you can be saved, you can be born again. Christ will literally live in your heart. Faith is the connection by which you receive healing. Faith is the connection whereby God will supply your needs and help you to be in a position to supply the needs of others. Now, a key verse in the study of faith is Hebrews 11 verse 1, which says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. Out of Moffat's translation, it says, Now faith means that we are confident of what we hope for convinced of what we do not see out of the amplified translation the classic edition it says now faith is the assurance the confirmation the title deed of the things we hope for being the proof of things we do not see and the conviction of their reality faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed 
to the senses. And there are several different kinds of faith or dimensions of faith. First of all, there's a a natural human faith that Christians have and non-Christians alike have. In fact, when you came in this morning, you had a seat you took a seat in, in one of these chairs. How many of you did it cross your mind, well, this chair may fall apart and I could just spill on the floor? No, because you've got natural human faith that that chair is going to support you. I hope you've got faith that when church is over and you go out to the parking lot and you put the key in your ignition and you turn the ignition, I hope you've got faith that your engine is going to turn over and it's going to crank up. Anybody not have that faith? If not, we need to help you. That's just natural human faith. You know, natural human faith says no matter how bad today is, tomorrow is going to be a new day. The sun is going to come up. But see, not only is there natural human faith, there's also what the Bible calls saving faith or, or faith to follow Jesus Christ. And, and saving faith is a faith that comes as you hear the message of the gospel of the life, death, and resurrection of Christ, of him paying the price for your sins. And you, you hear that it's impossible for a holy God to allow sin into heaven. And you, you say, I need to change. I need to respond. And so you believe in your heart that God has raised Christ from the dead and you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is now your king, now your Lord, now your master. The Bible says with the heart man believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And then number three, there's supernatural mountain moving faith. Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty three, whoever says to this mountain, see a mountain represents a problem in your life. A mountain represents an obstacle. A mountain can represent a heartache. He said, whoever says to this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatever he says. Therefore, when you pray, believe that you receive them. Whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Now, the problem is is that most of us do most of our praying and we talk to God about our problems. We talk to God about our mountain instead of talking to our mountain about our God, instead of talking to our problems about our God. See, that's what Jesus told us to do. And faith is the connector between God and man. For example, you might be hoping for finances to help you to make it through the end of of, of next month. But faith in God will give the assurance that when the money's need, God is going to have it right there for you. You you might be you might be saying, I hope I've got the strength. To make it through another day. I hope I've got the strength, the physical strength, the emotional strength, the spiritual strength to do my job. But let me tell you what faith says. Faith says the same thing about itself that the word of God says. In Psalms 127 verse 1 says, the Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? So, 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 so instead of just saying, I hope I've got for faith, I hope I've got the strength to get through this. You can say, by faith, the Lord is the strength of my life. I am getting through it. Of whom shall I be afraid? Sometimes we just hope that God is working on our behalf. God, I hope you're hearing this prayer. God, I hope you're, you're, you're going to help me. But Romans chapter 8 verse 31 says, What shall we say to these things if God be 
for us who can be against us repeat that with me if god be for us who can be against us and you need to regularly say with your own mouth believing in your own heart hearing with your own ears god is for me who can be against me See, faith says about itself everything that the Word of God says, for faith in God is simply faith in His Word. Took me a long time to realize that. I came to the Lord when I was a senior in high school, and I didn't know many scriptures. But when I got saved, when I came to the Lord, I borrowed my cousin Karen Moran, is now. She, her name is now Karen Moran Rice. In fact, her mom is sitting right back here. Aunt Ruby, just wave your hand. I borrowed Karen's Bible because I had seen, Karen had been to Southeastern University, and I knew that she was educated. And, 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 and she had underlined some promises in her Bible. And so every place in the New Testament that Karen had underlined, I took my Bible and I started to underline too because I thought that has to be good. And I don't remember most of those verses I underlined, but I do remember one verse, and it was Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I started hiding that word. See, 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 it's got to be the conviction of your heart. And, and so so I remember taking a shower and thinking about Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Well, I graduated from college, and mom and dad said, son, I always knew this. They always told me, said, you're going to attend Emmanuel College in Franklin Springs, Georgia, up in North Georgia, just above Athens, just, just not too far from the South Carolina line. You're going to attend Emmanuel College, and you're going to enjoy it. Well, I remember getting up to school and uh, man I, I i didn't enjoy first of all i had roommate problems i had, my first roommate was a a basketball player and when i met him he says hi i'm the marco polo of college basketball this is the sixth college i've enrolled in i thought oh great well he was there for about a week i came back from class one day and he was gone he was just gone. He had moved everything out. He moved some of my stuff out. He was gone. And our dorm director came to see me and said, you're going to get a new roommate. He's from Atlanta. He's a musician. And in walked this guy. He had hair down past his belt buckle. I mean, and he had his guitars and he was a rock and roller. And, you know, I, I, I enjoy music because I play guitar some myself, but I like to sleep at night. He loved to play rock and roll at night. I'm going to tell you, in the times that we were, and we weren't roommates for very long, but, but I woke up three or four times and he'd have several guys in the room and they'd just be jamming. I mean, it's two or three o'clock in the morning. All I can do is put a pillow over my head. And, you know, that was difficult. And, 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 and remember the only verse that I can really, I've got in my heart is I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. And I, I thought, God, I need some help. Lord, I receive your strength to find a new roommate. And I found, I, I, I met a man in our, in our dorm named Greg Parker from Roanoke, Virginia. And Greg and I started talking one day and Greg mentioned to me that he was having trouble with his roommate. And I said, Greg, tell me something. Do you party at night or do you sleep? He said, I sleep. I said, well, Greg, why don't we do this? 
I'm having problems with my roommate too. Let's get our roommates to move in together and you and I can room together. And they did it. And we did. And Greg was a great roommate for over two years. Greg and I are friends to this day. Well, I was still struggling in my time at Emmanuel College because I was so homesick. I didn't like the way they did things at Emmanuel College. I didn't like the North Georgia culture. I didn't like anything about it. And so I would, I, I would call mom and dad and I'd say, I don't like it here. And mom would say, son, come on home. And dad would say, don't you dare. Don't you dare come home. In fact, you have a good time and you make good grades, but don't you come home. I only knew one verse. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So I start saying, God, I need you to help me. I need this verse to be reality in my life. Lord, I can't go home. Dad says I got to have a good time. Dad says I got to make good grades. Lord, by faith, I'm going to have a good time by faith. This is going to be good. And you know what I did? I just decided I'm going to quit sitting in my dorm room feeling sorry for myself and, and griping and complaining. Sometimes, you know, we don't have to gripe and complain to others. We can gripe and complain to ourselves. Man, I was, you know, you, you need to, you need to check your self-talk sometimes because your self-talk's very revealing. Jesus said out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Man, I would sit in my room and, and, and I would just, I would just be complaining. Dad won't let me come home. He says, I've got to enjoy it. He says, I've got to make good grades. Mom says I can come home, but dad won't let me come home. This, I don't like this place. I thought, I, I can't do this. And so I got out of my dorm room and I would just start walking around the campus and I would start introducing myself to people. And I started getting involved in, in things. I joined, I started playing the intramural sports and, and I joined the college choir. And, and lo and behold, I joined the college choir. It's about a hundred member choir. And one day I received a call and they said, we want you to come to the music hall this afternoon at five o'clock. And I showed up and there were 12 of us who had gotten this same call and we'd been hand selected to be a part of an, a, a traveling ensemble who represented the college. And we traveled all over the United States and, 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 and we sang at, 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 at schools and at uh, civic affairs and at chamber of commerce events and at churches and at camp meetings and man we sang gospel music and and we sang secular music and we sang broadway hits and we sang old time music and my very first day i found myself staring at a cute little brunette from north carolina she and i were partners come on up here kathy And she and I, she and I, do you remember that very first song we sang the very first day? Yeah, I was staring at you too. Yeah, they, they paired us up. Like this. And we, and we, had, we had to hold hands like this. And we sang, school days, school days, good old golden rule days, reading and writing and arithmetic. Can we start this over? You want to start it over? Okay. You want to start it? No. <laughs> school days, school days, 
good old golden rule days. Reading and writing and arithmetic, all to the tune of a hickory stick. You were my... Caliqueen of Calico. Yeah, no, no. You, you were dressed in Calico. I was your bashful barefoot beau. You rode on my sleigh that I loved you so. When we were a couple of kids. Boom, boom. It was very spiritual. Now, we had fun. <laughs> now, we were about two weeks into school. She was dating somebody else, and I was dating somebody else. But about six months later, I started dating Kathy, and I'm still going steady with Kathy. In fact, tomorrow, I want you to remember, tomorrow we'll celebrate 40 years of marital bliss. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. We couldn't figure out, honestly, we could not figure out why in the world they're having to sing school days, school days, but it was just something we did at Chamber of Commerces and, and, and those, those kind of things. Well, guys, here's what I'm saying. You, you, you just have to make up your mind you're going to live by God's word, even, even when you don't have it all figured out. You know, that verse, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I, I just kept meditating on that and kept speaking it. And, and I was kind of an introvert, you know, I was kind of shy. But my new roommate, Greg Parker, got up at six o'clock every morning. And I'm thinking, why would anybody who's sane do that if you didn't absolutely have to? So I started getting up with Greg. And I started taking a shower and going to the college cafeteria to have breakfast rather than eating in my room. And as I noticed that there were a lot of students sitting in the cafeteria, and I didn't know most of them, and so I made up my mind that at breakfast time, I was going to go and, and meet new friends. And if there was an empty seat, I would just go say, can I sit here? And sometimes they'd say, no, somebody else, else is coming. And, and But many times they'd say, sure, sit down. And, and before I started eating, I would, I'd introduce myself. I'm Terrell Todd. What's your name? Where are you from? What do things interest you? What do you like best about being here? You know, everybody's got a favorite subject, and that's themselves. And, and I'd get people talking, and, and every morning I would, I would sit with a different group of students. And, and you know, I started to meet people, and I started having fun. I was, at least I was having fun. I don't know that the grades were that good for Dad yet, but at least I was, I was having fun there. And, you know, it was amazing how... I, God didn't change and the school didn't change, but I changed. I, I met a lot of people and the next year, I'd never met a part of student government and I was a write-in candidate. I didn't even write myself. Another student made me a write-in candidate for president of the sophomore class. And guess what? I was elected president of the sophomore class. My junior year and senior year, I was elected president of the Student Government Association of the School of Christian Ministries. Folks, it was all because my dad said, you can't come home. You're going to have a good time. And you better make good grades. And because 
the one verse I remembered out of my cousin's Bible was Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Folks, what I'm saying, faith is not all that complicated, but faith is taking some truth from God's Word and applying it to your life and believing it in your heart and speaking and acting upon it and making decisions based on that Word, not upon your emotions. See, my emotions did not want to be in the cafeteria at 6.30 in the morning. I wanted to be asleep. And I sure didn't want to be sitting down talking to strangers, introducing myself. I mean, in the morning, I like to say, bye humbug. Leave me alone. Let me, let me take up a coffee and then I'll wake up. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And everybody look at me. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. The problem has not yet been created that can defeat you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ unless you let it. Now, if you choose to just sit at home, if you choose just to sit in front of your computer all the time, that's your choice. If you choose just to keep those earbuds in when you're in the mall or when you're at school or when you're waiting at the bus stop, whatever you're doing, see, you're sending the message, don't talk to me. You send it, and I know we got a, several generations that, that do that. But folks, it's okay to take those earbuds out and say, hello, my name is... And they may look at you like you're from, from Mars. That's okay. Turn to the next one and say, hello, my name is. How are you? Life is a whole lot more fun together. Amen? Amen. Now, when it comes to this thing called faith in God, John Wesley, the founder of the United Methodist Church, John Wesley once said the devil has given the church a substitute for faith. He says the devil has given the church a substitute for faith, one that looks and sounds so much like faith that few people can tell the difference. And he called that substitute mental assent. He says many people will read God's word and they will mentally say, that's true, I believe it, but they never let that word get down into their hearts. Folks, this gospel that we love, this gospel that we believe was not made just to stay in the arena of this gray matter. This gospel that we love is supposed to get in our hearts. This word has to get down in our hearts. See, you can't get saved if this word doesn't get down in your heart. That if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart, not in your head. But believe in your heart. Respond to the conviction of the Holy Spirit in your heart. Then you can be saved. See, a mental ascent says, I know God's word is true. I know God promises healing. But for some reason, I, I don't know. I just don't get it. I don't understand it. But faith in God says, if God's word says it's true, then by his stripes I am healed. By his stripes I was healed. Today I receive healing in the name of Jesus. And somebody said, but Terrell, there are things that I'm believing God for in his word and it's just not come true in my life. Well, if it had all come true, then you wouldn't need any faith, would you? Because you'd already have it. Amen? Look at Mark chapter 11, verse 24. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. When do we do our believing? Do we do our believing after we receive? 
We have to do our believing before we receive. Jesus said, whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. You know, you know, several years after I came here to pastor, and I've been here now for, in September 15th, Kathy and I will celebrate 14 years here as your pastors. But shortly after, shortly after we arrived, I, I got a phone call from a local pastor here in the area. And he says, I, I want to ask you a question. I said, sure. He says, I want to know if you're one of those name it and claim it preachers. I want to know if you're a grab it and bag it kind of preacher. And I was quiet for a morning, for, 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 for a while, and I just kind of didn't answer. And then I said, my friend, I'm a believe it and receive it preacher. Everybody look at me. Everybody open your ears. Open the ears of your heart. Faith in God is not a trick that we perform with our lips. Now, what comes out of our lips is very important. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. Jesus says we're taken or we're snared with the words of our mouth. So you want to be careful what you speak. But faith in God is not a trick that you or I perform with our lips. But faith in God is a spoken expression of the conviction of our heart. And real faith in God starts as a conviction. It, you read God's word and it, and it becomes, comes alive. It becomes a rhema word to you and it comes alive in your heart and you meditate on it. It becomes the conviction of your heart. And once it's the conviction of your heart, then you speak it. Some people say, well, I tried that faith in God stuff. It didn't work. Let me tell you something. You might have tried speaking the hope of your head rather than con- the conviction of your heart. Ooh, let me try it over here. You may have tried speaking the hope of your head rather than the conviction of your heart. Whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them. See, see, too many of us, we're, we, we're kind of like Thomas. Remember, Thomas says, I'm not going to believe unless I can see. Look at John chapter 20 with me. John 20, verse 24. It says, now Thomas called the twin. One of the 12 was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. This is after his resurrection. We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. See, Thomas had a hard time believing that Jesus was alive because Thomas had seen Jesus crucified on the cross. Thomas had seen with his own eyes Jesus flogged, 39 stripes. He had seen Jesus battling to carry the cross. Thomas had seen Simon of Cyrene from Africa asked to help Jesus carry the cross. Simon, I mean, I mean, Thomas had seen Jesus. I believe they, they, they took that cross and they laid it on the ground. The Bible doesn't tell us exactly how it happened. I believe they laid it on the ground. And I believe that these big burly Roman soldiers got on either side of Jesus 
And I believe they took those big old nails that they used that were like spikes. And I believe they drove them through Jesus' hands. And I believe they drove them through his feet. And Thomas had seen those nails pierce his hands. He had seen Jesus suspended from heaven and earth. He had seen the crown of thorns that he was wearing. He had seen the blood come down his face. He had seen the blood turning the the, the wood of that cross crimson. And then he had seen the soldier take a sword and pierce Jesus' side. And out of his side came water and blood. He had seen all that. He had seen Jesus pronounce, it is finished. And he gave up the ghost. He died. Maybe Thomas saw Joseph of Arimathea and others come and take Jesus' body off the cross and wrap it in a burial shroud. And he says, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails, put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I'll not believe. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them and Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in their midst and said, peace to you. I speak that word to you from the crown of your head to the soles of your feet. I speak peace that passes all understanding. Jesus is the prince of peace. He says, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives do I give it unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Then he said to Thomas, verse 27, reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Blessed. That word blessed means happy. If you want to be happy, then start believing. Start standing in faith. I guarantee you, if you'll make up your mind, you're going to be a person that exercises faith in God by exercising faith in His Word. You'll be a whole lot more happier than if you try to put your faith in other things. Happy is he who believes and is not seen. Now look at Romans chapter 4, and let's, 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 let's just compare that with the faith of Abraham. Here in verse 17, it says, As it is written... I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Paul says, we serve a God who gives life to the dead, and our God calls those things not as if they are. What does all that mean? He gives life to the dead, and he calls those things not as though they are. It's a reference to Genesis chapter 17, verse 5. God had promised back when Abraham was 75, years old. He says, I'm going to make you the father of a multitude. You're going to be the father of of, of many nations. And and you're going to be blessed through Sarah, not through Hagar, but through Sarah. There are going to be many, many nations. Now fast forward to Genesis 17 verse 5 because Abraham is no longer 75 years of old. He's now 99. Sarah is 90 years of age. And God looks at Abraham. He says, Abraham, I'm going to change your name. Abram, 
meant exalted father. It means high father. Everybody would look at Abram and say, hello, Mr. High Father. Hello, Mr. Exalted Father. That's what all of his friends, all his relatives, everybody that worked for him said, hello, Mr. Exalted Father. But God says, your name's no longer going to be Abram. It's going to be Abraham, which means father of a multitude. Now, how many children had Sarah had when God changed his name to Abraham? She hadn't had any. But God calls those things not. He calls those things not as though, I mean, he just thinks he's in charge. In Genesis, he called those things not as though they were. He said, let there be light, and there was light. He says, your name's no longer going to be Abram. Your name's going to be Abraham. Father of a multitude. Can you imagine him now meeting with all of his family members? Says, oh, folks, I've changed my name. I've officially changed it. My name is now father of a multitude. And the little thing looking at him like he's lost a screw. I guess the old boy's getting senile. He goes and he meets with all his employees. The Bible says he had over 300 employees. He said, fellas, ladies, my name is no longer Abram. My name is now Abraham. I want you to call me a father of a multitude. And they thought, man, what's this guy thinking? What's what's happening? He was simply getting in agreement with what God had already said because God gives life to the dead and he calls those things not as though they are. Amen? It's exactly what he was doing. Verse 18, who contrary to hope, in hope, believe. Think about that for a minute. Who contrary to hope, in hope, believe. See, Sarah ended up giving birth to Isaac at 90 years of age. And the Bible says that Sarah dies at age 126. But guess what Abraham does? Abraham who is now about 135 years of age, he marries a lady named Keturah. And then he takes some more concubines. He has five or six more sons, and nations came out of all of them because who contrary to hope, in hope, he believed, and so he became the father of many nations. Verse 19, and not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body. That word consider in the Greek means to observe fully. He didn't consider fully. He didn't meditate on the fact that he was 99 years of age. He didn't meditate on the fact that she was 90. Folks, listen, faith comes from what you think about. It's right over here. Faith comes from what's going on, starts off in your head and then in your heart, what you're meditating on. He didn't consider his own body. In other words, Abraham did not invest time meditating on the impossibilities of what God promised him. Some of you wonder why you have such a hard time with the area of faith. You wonder why you have such a hard time receiving from God. is because you're meditating on the impossibilities that lay out there. You're meditating on the Democrats and the Republicans instead of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You're, you're, you're meditating on the problems in America instead of the one who's got the answers. I mean, you can make yourself depressed. 
by thinking and meditating on the wrong things. Let me share with you two verses that have really helped me over the years. And I'm sorry I don't have these on the screens, but the first is Romans 8, verse 6. Just write it down. Romans chapter 8, verse 6. Romans 8, 6 says, To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. To be carnally minded, that word carnal means to be fleshly. To be fleshly minded is death. See, a fleshly minded person is thinking about themselves. If you want to get depressed, just think about yourself all the time. A a, a carnal person, a fleshly minded person, their thought life is filled with thoughts of lust and greed and selfishness. Folks, bitterness, unforgiveness, hatred. And to be carnally minded is death. It is a living death. To be carnally minded will set you up for despair, hopelessness, and depression. I mean, you'll be like those guys on the old hee-haw television show singing gloom, despair, agony on me. Deep, dark depression, excessive misery. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Gloom, despair, agony on me. Gloom, despair, agony on me. I'm going to stop it. I mean, it's fun, but it's terrible words. It's not good theology. You don't want to have a hee-haw theology. Try this, guys. You don't want to have a hee-haw theology. Instead of saying gloom, despair, and agony on me, you need to say blessings and joy and peace and love. Goodness and mercy coming from above. He's supplying all my needs. He's using me for his kingdom. I'm sharing his word. And his is the dominion. Come on. I'm just playing around with this. But, 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 but folks, it's true. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. To be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded, a spiritually minded person is not going to walk around talking about everything that's, that's wrong with this world. A spiritually minded person is going to walk around talking about what's good. A carnally minded person is going to walk around cursing the darkness. A carnally minded person is going to walk around saying there's no hope. But a spiritually minded person is going to light some candles in the darkness. A spiritually minded person is saying, we're not going to go under, we're going over. A spiritually minded person is going to come into agreement with God's word and say, even when you don't like it at Emmanuel College, even when the only reason you're there is because your daddy says you can't come home and you better like it and you better make good grades. A spiritually minded person will say, hey, this is going to work out. God's going to make it all work together for my good because he called according to, because I've called according to his purpose. And he's working in my life to willing to do of his good pleasure. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I say you're not going under, you're going over. I said you're not gonna, you're not gonna die from sickness and disease, you're gonna be healed. You gotta have that conviction in your heart. Oh, we don't know what's gonna happen. With the social security, I see that now it's supposed to give out by 1936. Folks, 
God was taking care of people a lot longer before FDR and his administration came up with Social Security. David says, I've been young and now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken or seed begging bread. Sometimes you just got to prophesy to yourself. You know, that, that, that David did that. He says, oh soul, why art thou disquieted within me? David began to prophesy, said, said, boy, get out of the doldrums. Come on, man, get out of despair. Come on, leave this old depressed dark hole. Come on, you're thinking about the wrong things. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Because to be spiritually minded is life and peace, but to be carnally minded is death. Folks, I know we live in a world that has got a whole lot going wrong. I I know that there's bad news on the right hand and on the left hand. But my Bible tells me that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Here, let's wrap this up. Verse 20. It says, Abraham, he, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith. Giving glory to God. Look at that. He was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. One of the ways that you'll strengthen your faith is by giving Jesus glory. It's by praising and worshiping the King of kings and the Lord of lords. In fact, the psalm, Psalm chapter 8, verse 2, says, Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants you have ordained strength because of your enemies that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. Out of the mouth of babes and and nursing infants you have ordained strength. Now think about that. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants you have ordained strength. Matthew 21, chapter 21. Verse 16, Jesus is criticized one day because the little children are saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. He says, have you never read out of the mouths of babes and nursing infants, you who are, you have ordained. Now here's what Jesus did. Jesus didn't say you have ordained strength. He says you've ordained praise. Jesus substituted the word praise for the word strength. In other words, Jesus said, if you'll get into your praise, you're going to be in a position of strength. If you're going to get into a place of giving God glory, you're going to bring strength to your heart. You're going to bring strength to your spirit. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Folks, what am I preaching today? I'm saying you just got to wake up your faith. Faith is the connector by which salvation comes into your life. Faith is the connector by which healing comes into your life. Faith is the connector by which you are baptized in the Holy Spirit. If you say, well, I hope God baptizes me in the Holy Spirit, you'll probably not be baptized in the Spirit. But if you'll say, by faith, the moment hands are laid on me, I'm going to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to receive a brand new prayer language. See, without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's, it's by faith, it's the connector by which we believe God for financial prosperity so we can be blessed to be a blessing. Boy, it's got to get beyond just you and me so we can be blessed to be a blessing to have our needs met and help meet the needs of other people. See, faith is the connector by which God's highest and best comes into your life. I want everybody to stand, please. Please stand. I would ask that if, unless you absolutely have another appointment, please don't leave right now. Please don't talk. Please don't move. 
I want everybody to stand and every head bowed, every eye closed. Every head bowed, every eye closed. In the stillness of this moment, you'd say, Terrell, I need to, I need to have a relationship with God through Christ. I want the assurance that my sins are forgiven and that my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. I want Jesus Christ to be my king and to be my Lord. With every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody moving around, nobody talking right now. If you'd say, that's me, Terrell. I just want to believe in my heart that God has raised Christ from the dead and I want to confess out of my heart that Jesus Christ is my king that Jesus is my Redeemer, that Jesus is my Lord. Again, with every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around. If that's you, just slip up your hand and leave it up until I see it all over this room. Okay? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and His church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 10.30 and Wednesday evenings at 7.00. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.